Ross. <laughs> Welcome. Um, first episode of Fly High Podcast. Thank you for joining. Um, met you last week at the Fly Special Mental Training Session. Yep. Change your state, change your fate. Chance my luck and asked if you would come on a podcast. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. Um, learned so much. It was great. I um, was particularly impressed with how you've had a challenging upbringing. You've managed to turn that around. Um, you're now consultant in human optimization and human optimization and, and well-being sciences. Well-being yep. science ambassador for Dell. Former, former, former ambassador, ambassador for, for Dell. Dell yep. And working with several for Fortune 500 companies, yep. the UFC now as well, yep. which is incredible. It's a new thing. Managing to balance that with a relationship, yep. a daughter, yep. breaking world records keeping yourself in physical shape yep. through the sleep deprivation of having a daughter, <laughs> pretty impressive. So um, I'm excited to dig in more. So if we could just uh, tell me a bit more about you, what, what's your mission and mm -hmm. what is uh, human optimization and mental training? Sure, right in at the deep end. <laughs> so um, a bit more about me and my mission. I would say my, my aim, I guess, is to help as many people as possible, ideally a million lives. Maybe it's a bit far-fetched, but I believe it, it can happen. And of course, with the one of the, the benefits of social media is that that is a possibility in terms of having that reach. I'm not anywhere near there, that yet, but I would love to be. So helping people optimize their minds and bodies so they can live happier, healthier, more fulfilling and successful lives. You know, we're all human beings. We're all trying to get away from pain and toward uh, more Pleasure. happiness, you know, to make our highs higher, more sustained and our lows less low and less often. So, I guess that I've been through some shit. Um, I'm not just the academic book smart guy. Um, I've been through a lot of personal challenges. And some would say more than the average person for my age, being 36. So I think blending the academic stuff with the, the personal challenges has been a bit of a recipe for success for me. Um, and that's not my word, that's the words of people who attend these events or that I speak for, you know, they give me that feedback. Um, so I guess it's just, it's really, turning human optimization, well-being sciences, which I will explain, into processes. There's all these different processes. There are all these, I guess when I was going through my journey, what I realized was that it, take, it took me so long. The stuff that had such a profound effect on me took me so long to find that stuff, to acquire that information, and then many years more to implement it, implement it effectively. And so that, that was a big catalyst for me to start to share that information with other people. Because ultimately, I remember I was at an event and someone says, why do you do all this? And, and I said something that kind of rolled off the tongue and it's, it's became a bit of a guiding framework for me. I live every day to be the me that I never had. So when I was dealing with the addiction, when I was dealing with my dad leaving and rejecting me, when I was dealing with trying to become an entrepreneur, when I was dealing with trying to pull myself out of a toxic environment, you know, living in that village, that village mindset where everyone has that, you know, there's limiting beliefs and you can't get above your stations and it's hard to break free from that. When I was trying to navigate all that world, I was always looking for someone to help me, someone who had knowledge and insights that could guide me, a mentor, and I never had it, I couldn't find it. And so as self-involved as this sounds to say, I want to be that for other people. I want mm -hmm. to be there to support people because yeah. I never had that. And so I know that that requires skills. So that's a kind of driving, a motivation for me, a driving force mm -hmm. is that. Um, I'm kind of digressing, but what is human optimization and well-being science, to answer your question? So, well-being science is the science of well-being. <laughs> Sounds like a bit of a cop-out, but, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, how do we grow um, scientifically? So, there's a science of that. 
But then human optimization is, well, the word op optimize comes from the Latin optimus, which is, just means best, your best self. So well-being science is the science of it, but optimization is everything else that complements that, if that makes sense. So that could be things like ancestral wisdom, which is functional philosophy, uh, which is just, when I say ancestral wisdom, that's knowledge that's, that's been handed down from generation to generation. That could be, you know, knowledge from people like Aristotle and Marcus Aurelius from two and a half, two thousand years ago, or it could be like from two or three hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. And that complements the scientific stuff, the psychological stuff, the academic stuff. So it's a combina combination of those two things, but ultimately it's all about human potential. And human potential doesn't need to be this big fanciful sounding thing. Like when you think about trans words like transformation, it sounds big, mm -hmm. but ultimately it's just about putting your best foot forward. I remember when I was, um, when I was facing two years in jail and for me that, you know, fortunately for me, the magistrate said, fortunately this time. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a big turning point in my life. And people always ask, what was the turning point? And I would say it was probably that moment. It wasn't yeah. a big X factor <laughs> wow. moment, um, but it was what I needed. And although I went on a 10 year mission and it was, you know, I've experienced transformation. Mm -hmm all started from putting my best foot forward, mm -hmm. doing small things in a good way. And I think that is, that is that, that is human optimization, that is realizing your potential just bit by bit every single day. And I think that humans overestimate what they can achieve in a year, but underestimate what, what they can, can achieve, achieve in 10. 10. <laughs> so that's kind of a bit about me and a bit about human optimization wow. and my mission. I could go into that a bit deeper, but ultimately it's to help a million people optimize their minds and bodies and there's some right. other stuff in there i want to do some self-funded research mm -hmm. into fasting and sleep science and all these different areas to really make well-being sciences and human optimization accessible mm -hmm. for everyone and engaging mm -hmm. um, because oftentimes when you hear individuals talking about these sorts of things yeah. the, the lexicon the language that they use can be off-putting for the average person it was for me mm -hmm. you know as much as i studied neuroscience at glasgow university i come from a really I didn't have a solid foundation, educational yeah. foundation. I'm a guy who was a drug addict, two overdoses. You know, I, I wasn't academically smart. And I remember when I started going back to college and then university, it was really hard for me to understand all this language. You mm -hmm. need to Google it and it's all these fancy sounding words. So it's about making it accessible. Yeah. And that's part of the mission too. It's incredible. And what I thought was particularly amazing is the toxic environment you were in. I listened to one of your podcasts the other day and you said something, fly with the crows, get shot with the crows. That's a line from my, my granny gave me that line. My wee granny so, Mary, she's passed in, she, away now. Um, she partly raised me, loved that woman. Um, she, she used to always say that to me when, I, when I'd get any trouble, which I get into a lot. She'd say, you fly with the crows, you get shot with the crows, son. So you fly with the crows, you get shot <laughs> yeah. with them. But equally, a goose can fly 75% further in formation than it ever could on its own, mm. which is factually speaking true. Mm -hmm. um, and it just really speaks to that concept of you, you, you that kind of self-development 101. You are the, a product of the five oh, people right. you spend your, the most, uh, most time with, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, even financially. Um, uh, you know, relational illness, mood contagion. And at the time when my life wasn't going right, mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time around about toxic people. And here yeah. I am in a different place, a more positive place. And ultimately I've changed those relationships. So yeah. again, assess your relationships to ascend your life. Around um, growth friends rather than... Growth friends versus energy vampires, <laughs> yeah. Debbie Downers, corruptive carols, whatever you want to call them or label them. 
And it is important to reflect on that. And that's something I would encourage everyone to do because that was a big turning point for me. Yeah. Is, yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to break free from people that we're emotionally connected to. But ultimately, it's what's necessary for you to reinvent yourself mm -hmm. and move forward. And every decision you make is so important. Yep. We had a conversation earlier just when we were working out about how the majority of people... Still shaking. Still shaking. <laughs> still shaking make short-term biased decisions all the time. Yep. You know, go for that night out. You're um, ruining your feeling terrible the next day yep. um, and you explained really well the three pillars of sort of happiness and can you talk to me a bit more about that mm -hmm. so i think what we we're talking about was we we're talking about like happy life what is really is a happy life and a lot of people really don't know the science and and the theory around about how to live and there is science and theory on that how to live a happy and fulfilling life um, and I think, again, when I look back at my past life, there's three different um, categories. Mm -hmm. And most people only know one, or at least they live one, and that's how they primarily attain their happiness and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. um, but if they had an awareness of these other two, it would really change the game for them. Um, so basically, it's, it's from a, a branch of psychology. So psychology is such a broad discipline. Mm -hmm. um, you've got evolutionary psychology, developmental, conceptual, um, and historical issues within psychology, you know, all these different forms. I think there's 75 different subforms of psychology. Wow. But for the last hundred years, psychology has been a disease model effectively, or the last few hundred years, meaning how do we get people from a negative place psychologically back to baseline? But then this form or this branch of psychology, which I ended up specializing in, specializing in at university called positive psychology, that says, hold my beer because we're interested in, well, how do we take people from baseline and beyond? Mm -hmm. well, plus three, plus nine, plus nine to nine. How do we help them realize more of themselves and live a more fulfilling life? And um, that's the branch of psychology that's done a lot of research into these different three types of life. So the type one is the, is the most commonly lived life, if you will, it's called the hedonic life or the Hollywood life. Mm -hmm. It's a life of raw sense pleasures. So by raw sense pleasures, what I mean is sex, Alcohol, drugs, vanilla ice cream, chocolate, <laughs> computer games, wee pug dugs, work tops, you know, those sorts of things. Not to judge them and say they're wrong and right. It's just that that's how the majority of society are acquiring their happiness that, through raw sense feels. And that stuff's transient. It comes and goes quick. Mm -hmm. It's quite temporary. You need more and more of it. You need more. And that should really be the cherry on the cake, so to speak. Um, however, the other two categories or types of life people don't necessarily know about. They might be living them and dipping in and out of those types of life periodically, but if they just were more aware, they mm -hmm. could consciously cultivate their lives in a better way to be more engaged and fulfilled. Mm -hmm. So I've touched on that part. That's part one, the hedonic life, the Hollywood life, and that's the life that I was kind of living when my life wasn't yeah. as happy and fulfilling and, and as progressive. Stage two or category two is the engaged life. How do you live an engaged life? How, are you, how, are you, how do you become more engaged with life, intellectually stimulated by life, to enter into like flow states? Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of a flow state? Yes, when you forget to try to Yeah, when time, time like, stops yeah. and, you know, it's, it's yeah. a term that was coined by a, a psychologist who just passed away called Mihai. His name is a mouthful. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's Hungarian. He's a Hungarian positive psychologist. And he talks about, you know, when you enter into that state of flow, time stops, you're fully immersed with the task at hand. Let's say you just broke your leg and it's causing you a bit of pain. But when you're engaged with a task, 
you don't feel that pain. Yeah. You know, that's flow, what gets you in flow in a sense. What gets me into a flow state? So, to answer that, let me explain the definition, okay. and then people will be able to understand, and I'll talk about how I get into a flow state, because it's different for everyone. So stage two is an engaged life. The way you get live more of an engaged life is by knowing your strengths and living through those strengths daily or engaging with those strengths daily. Mm -hmm. So your strengths, by strengths, I mean your unique abilities. So you can't have mine and I can't have yours and vice versa. And every single person out there has unique strengths. Mm. You call it your core genius. Mm -hmm. And it's a combination of what you've been born with versus what you've been exposed to throughout life, your experiences versus your kind of genetic personality, a coalescing of those things. They create unique traits. Sometimes they're obvious, mm -hmm. but actually your strongest strengths and traits, uh, strongest core, your strongest um, core genius, if you will, um, is typically that which is so natural to you that you can't, you need other individuals to sort of see that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's an engaged life. Um, and you were asking, how do I live? What, what gets me into a flow state? What engages me with life? So there's different tests. There's loads of different psychometric tests when it comes to psychology. You know, the big ocean, openness, conscientiousness, uh, um, those sorts of things. There's um, the big, that's the big five. There's Myers-Briggs, you know, there's all these different ones. But probably one of the most um, reputable is uh, Martin Seligman, so the founding father of positive psychology's test on strengths. So there are 24 character strengths. If anyone's interested, they should go and check out um, authentichappiness.org. Authentichappiness.org. I'll do when I listen to your podcast. Really interesting. Yeah. So I've done, I've done the, the signature strengths test is what it's called. I've done that. I'm 36. I've been doing that since I was 24. I take the test three times a year to look for consistency. consistency and it's spat out the same five to seven strengths for me for the last 10 years. What you do is you, get, you have a think about what you think your strengths would be. Mm -hmm. You do the test, so it gives you an objective marker. You get five of your five strengths. It could be your core strengths. Then the idea is to find other people who won't slag you, who won't judge you, who are maybe on that growth journey themselves, and, say, and ask them, what do you think my core strengths might be? And show them the list of the 24. Then you get that sort of external perspective, which is interesting, you've got it objectively there in paper through doing the test, you've got your own insights, and then you go out and you, pl you play with those things in the field of life, and you see, oh, what, what made me feel really engaged? Mm -hmm. And it, there's, it's a bit of a journaling, explorative process, but it's really worthwhile. And one of mine is uh, social intelligence. And by the way, it's not the bottom, your strengths aren't the bottom third of a CV. You know, it's different. So why is one of my strengths social intelligence? So what is social intelligence? It's your ability to be that social butterfly, to be able to connect and engage with different people from different sects of society. Mm -hmm. Now, I was probably born with quite a great, fun, warm, light-hearted nature, um, quite uh, extroverted personality. And because of that, and because of the experiences I've had, so I've been an addict. Let's be honest, I've, I've had two overdoses. So I've been on the sofa taking all the gear, even heroin, you know, wipe, you know, out my face. I've been in those environments. I've also been a semi-professional to professional athlete through football and try to break the Burpee world record. 
I've, I've rubbed noses with the 37th richest man in the world, Michael Dell. I've been a stripper, a topless butler. <laughs> I've started various businesses. Yeah. I've worked in building sites. I've, I've immersed myself in different social situations and scenarios and um, encountered many different people. Subconsciously, that develops skills. So that, combined with my sort of genetic personality, if you will, has, and I, I didn't know that that was my, one of my most signature strengths until I'd done the test. And then I started reflect on, reflecting on what people had been saying over the years. Mm. So when I was younger, my gran and my family members would say, or, or Ross would talk to Tam the Devil. I would talk to anyone. I would be able to make friends in a queue and say Marks and Spencers. Or, well, I wasn't going to Marks and Spencers when I was younger, maybe more so now. But you know what I mean? Lidl, Aldi, Morrisons, wherever it was in the shop, I could, be, I could spend 30 seconds with someone and, and, and get to know them at a deep level quite mm -hmm. quick. But it's natural to me. I don't even think about it. So that's an example of why you have to be able to justify your signature strengths. Yep. That makes sense. Yeah. So loads of people could have the same strength, but how do you justify that for mm -hmm. you? Yeah. You know, writing is one of my signature strengths. Uh, sorry, creativity, but a form of creativity and writing. Mm. And I can justify that. Anyway, so that's a bit about the engaged life and how you live a meaningful life is knowing, this is where it comes a bit more form, uh, formula based. You know your high strengths, um, and you engage with them daily, and then how do you live a meaning, meaningful life? You apply those in service of something greater than you. So again, to recap, Hollywood lifestyle, um, Hollywood life or hedonic life, mm -hmm. a life of raw sense pleasures should be the cherry in the cake. You don't want that to be how you um, fulfill your happiness all the time. Um, you don't really be a primary outlet. Then you've got live an engaged life, you need to know your highest strengths and engage with those daily. You go on, you take authentic happiness tests, it'll pump out, you know, it could be gratitude, faith, love of learning, um, appreciation of beauty and excellence. There's all these different traits. Have a think about that beforehand, do the test, see what it spits out, ask other people what they think, play with that on the field of life, reflect, and then find some, some sort of mission, some sort of purposeful pursuit and apply them in service of something greater than you. That could be your kids, it could be your career, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a, either it's a philanthropic endeavor or your career. Does that make sense? Yeah, so that's those absolutely. types. But, but sadly, most of society don't know that. And I didn't know that until I, I went in this kind of process, uh, this uh, journey of exploration. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm rabbiting on a bit, but I hope that makes sense. No, it's so, it's so interesting. And a question I have is, do you think, so I took the Jordan Peterson Big Five test, you know, yep. I was quite high on sort of extroversion and uh -huh. openness, quite low on conscientiousness, which mm -hmm. I was offended with at first. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kept reading the results and he said, if you're offended, it's completely accurate. Right. Do you okay. think you can change? Do you think it's largely genetic? Mm -hmm. And say I was very introverted, but mm -hmm. I wanted to take a fitness class. Could I change that and become extroverted? Or do you think it's, you've got to play to the strengths that you're born with? I think... I think yes and no. So I'm, I'm more introverted now than I ever was, but I'm still naturally an extrovert, meaning I get, I get um, I'm engaged by other people's presence and energy, and some people are put off by that. So I think there's, when I look back in my life, there's definitely been a through line of certain personality traits, and you can manipulate it somewhat. Mm -hmm. Conscientiousness, for example, you can manipulate because conscientiousness, it can be broken down into different subforms, but conscientiousness, you can become more prudent, you can become more organized, you can build more of that into your life. Mm. Um, with effort. <laughs> with effort, of course. Um, so, they, yes, they can be manipulated somewhat, 
but I think there's always a through line of who you are and that it takes self-awareness so the more reflective you are the more effective you are the deeper you go the more you know and the mm -hmm. more you know the quicker and further you'll grow and I yeah. think everyone should develop a really keen interest in themselves mm. become like completely immersed in that process of self-discovery because yeah. it's fascinating and that's when you find true value and that's when it becomes easier to give in to the or say no to the the quick fixes yeah um, when you find your value through self-awareness, yeah. that process of yeah. self-discovery, again, not the bottom third of a CV. Mm -hmm. You need to know what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. Not like a SWOT test, you know, what strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, like yeah. entrepreneurial type of task. More like who you are at your core, what pisses you off? Mm -hmm. What are your weaknesses? What are your strengths? What are you complete? So if I said to you, Robin, um, uh, you know, let's say, you're a fearless motherfucker, you have no chance, there's no, you've got no chance of failure, only success, you're a, a completely, you know, a fearless motherfucker, and the next year, what are you going, what, what one to three things would you go after? That's a question from the field of self-awareness, quality questions bring about quality results that enable you to tap into a mm -hmm. different type of your, wow. you know, mental thinking and open up new answers, uh, yeah. if that makes sense. No, absolutely, and say you were, so you're going from the hedonic, quick fix mm -hmm. lifestyle and you try to pull away from that you're you're met with discomfort you're mm -hmm. met with people who go who do you think you are mm -hmm. you know and um, how do you push through that and fear of failure as well yep. when you're starting on a journey it's uncomfortable you're you do fail how do you deal with that you obviously put yourself out there yep. do you deal with the fear of rejection fear of failure what's your advice to any listeners dealing with that so two things spring to mind. The first thing is in psychology, we have this thing called the competence, confidence loop, mm -hmm. competence, confidence loop. It's quite a tongue twist. I say that fast three times. What it essentially means is the more competent you become, the more skilled you become, mm -hmm. become the more confident you become and it spirals. Mm -hmm. So in concentric circles of growth. Yep. So all you need to do is put your best foot forward, learn new skills and you become more confident and that confidence sort of expands your, your world view, mm -hmm. your belief system, your se sense of self-belief and self-worth, and then your vision for your life. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. um, what was the, can you repeat the question? There was something else that came to mind. How do you deal with the fear of failure, fear of putting yourself out there? So the first thing that came to mind was the confidence, confidence loop. Um, another thing that came to mind was one of my strengths is, is, is boldness. So that's actually one of the 24 character strengths. I think I've always been quite bold, mm -hmm. sometimes to a fault. Mm -hmm. So when I was younger, it wasn't directed. So I'll try this, exceptionally curious and bold. So I'll try this, I'll do this, I'll dive in. But because of the stuff that my environment, um, mm -hmm. uh, the buffet of stuff that I was feasting on in life, the stuff that my environment afforded me or presented, that's the word I was looking for, mm -hmm. presented, was a lot of negative stuff. The bold, curious fella that's sitting in front of you right now was like immersed right you know I'll, I'll try this and i'll do this but it was off it was drugs and silly shit mm -hmm. so it was misguided and that yeah. left led to unfruitful ends however um now it's a bit i'm aware of that side mm -hmm. of myself and it can be it's a bit more guided mm -hmm. um, and directed and i've always been the type of individual that you know i say to myself jump off the cliff and you can develop wings on the way down mm -hmm. So as much as that's my thing, I think there's some knowledge in that and that sometimes you do, you do just need to take those risks. You do need to exercise that muscle, that confidence muscle, that courageousness muscle and do those things. And ultimately, you've got two choices, don't you? So you're going to have to choose your heart. <laughs> I like that analogy. You know, uh, what is it, there was that um, quote, uh, 
it's hard it's choices. Like you're, there's going to be a regret either way. Yeah. Uh, what is it called? What's the quote again? I'm forgetting the quote by like Jim Rohn. Hard choices, easy life. Easy choices, hard life. Exactly. You make easy choices, you're making it harder for yourself in the long run. Yeah, 100%. You, you, choose, your, you choose your kind of hard and you know, you're going to either live in regret or it's going to be a wee bit more difficult, but you're going to realise more of yourself. That's mm. kind of where you're at with that. Yeah. Well, we could talk for hours and I know we're approaching time, so I've got a few questions just to close off. Cool. Um, change your state, change your fate yep. suggests that you have the power in an autumn to change your state. Uh -huh. Do you have any quick tips for the listeners how you can, if you're in a sort of anxious, fearful state, mm -hmm. you don't want to chase your goals, you're feeling scared, do you have any tips how to change that? Yeah, so a quick definition, change your state. Change your state just means psychological state. So mm -hmm. change your state, change your fate. If you can change your psychological state, you have more control over your ability to step in between stimulus and response, if that makes sense, so that you can guide your actions. So ultimately we all have thoughts that influence our emotions, our emotional state. Um, and our emotional state flavours our behaviour and our behaviours influence our results. So that's what I mean by change your state, change your fate. Um, and the best way to hack your psychological state is, is you know, there's three elements. There's physiology, breathe, respiration rate, body posture, how you move, focus, what you, what you tend to, what you give your energy to, and then your language, the, the mental makeup of your mind, how you speak to yourself. So if you think about all the different tasks, like movement, for example, we're in a gym. You, by engaging in a workout, mm -hmm. you might go into the workout feeling a bit crappy, feeling a bit low, feeling a bit stressed, low level, we're talking about low level ambient anxiety before mm -hmm. this podcast. If you go in and you move, you're changing your physiology, you're, ch you're moving differently, your respiration, you're breathing heavier, um, you're increasing your heart rate while moving your major, your major muscle groups. So that's it. That, exactly, that speaks to that physiology piece. Um, another way is hot and cold therapy, um, meditation because uh, you're slowing down your breathing being mindful of people uh, aren't really that conscious of how many breaths they take per, per minute mm -hmm. so is it is it 20 to 30 breaths or you know if you if you consciously focus on trying to breathe maybe only six to eight breaths that's very different from being a shallow 20 breaths per minute individual but that those shifts come with a set a, a set of associated physiological changes so if you, if you think about it, like we've done the music bathing exercise in the workshop, which is basically where you just sit down to become one, you immerse yourself, you marry yourself with, that mu with the music. So if you think about, you, you hear your favorite song or one of your favorite songs that comes on the radio, if you can bathe in that music, consciously put on a song that you like, you're, you're focusing on something, mm -hmm. physiology-focused language. If you start affirming positive messages in your mind, you're changing the mental makeup, you're using different language, and it's about thinking about those things, physiology-focused language, and finding ways to hack them. That can interrupt your psychological state, and it can help you change your default, and our default is generally negative to neutral, and you can create more empowering states. Wow. Happiness, fulfillment, calmness, confidence, that sort of stuff. Unreal. Okay, close our question. Um, mm -hmm. If there's one question you wish I'd asked you, how would you have answered? So it wouldn't be a question that I wish that you had asked me. I'm kind of flip reversing this. It'd be a question, it would be, I would prefer it if individuals, my wish is that if individuals question their self more or even just listen to their own authentic thoughts, if that makes sense. So I think for years when I was younger, I had all these authentic thoughts. By authentic thoughts, I mean, you know those thoughts that you produce when you're out a walk? 
when you're in the shower, when you're on the toilet yeah. pan, wherever you're, you are, it's typically a distraction-free environment and there's no input. Mm -hmm. Social media, phones, people, dogs, kids, you're on your own and you get those true authentic thoughts, whatever you want to label them. For years delusional. I wasn't... <laughs> Mines are delusional. Delusional, <laughs> everyone has those so, ones. But it's like, we all have those authentic thoughts, whether it's our aspirations, dreams, thoughts about ourselves. But for years I dimmed mine, I switched them off and I allowed society and my immediate environment to, to, to in fact, I dim those, dim that voice and, think they're delusional and be guided not. by that societal voice or that my immediate um, social circle, social network. And I think, so coming back to your question, not a question I wish that you had asked me, but more I want people to be questioning themselves and spending time in distraction-free environments, mm -hmm. asking themselves questions, developing self-awareness. For me, if you put that, someone said to me, what are the skills that you want people to develop? And I put them in a podium priority. Definitely self-awareness would be on. You know, because think about it, we're all walking paths in life, but we walk in the right kind of path. How do you know you're on your path? Yeah. Um, and the only way that you figure out, because it could be a path that your parents want you on, it could be a path that society's put you on, a celebrity, social your culture, a Western yeah. culture, social conditioning, exactly. And that only, you might get some fulfillment, but equally it might be very unfulfilling and unhappy, it might cause depression, it might even cause suicide. Suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts, mm -hmm. self-harm, anxiety, all these different things. However, through self-awareness, understanding yourself, asking quality questions, being in that process, investing in that process of the more reflective you are, the more effective you are. That, that's what I would encourage people to do, would be more asking themselves more quality questions versus Amazing. you asking me Thank questions. Thank you so much. You're um, welcome. Where can the listeners find you online? So I don't do a lot of stuff on social media. Hopefully I'm going to be changing that soon. Yes. Uh, I'm on Instagram, um, my hanger, or my, what do you call it, hanger, or uh, what do you call it? Do you call uh, it hanger? Tag, tag, whatever. Handle, there you go. Handle, there you go. See, don't do that much social yeah. media. It's the motivational dude, the name was picked for me, not by me. And they can find me on Instagram. I'm, I'm probably on LinkedIn quite a lot of the time, but hopefully I'm going to launch a new YouTube channel. I'm going to be on TikTok um, and I'm going to be just doing, having more of a presence out there because ultimately I realise 95 to 98% of what I've been doing is offline yep. and to perpetuate the messages that I'm, I'm passionate about, I need to be online more. Brilliant. So I... Thank you so much. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Likewise.